This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Humberto Carrillo, and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 229. My name is Nick Howell. And sending love and sympathies to the big red machine cane on this day. When he lost his mother and adopted family in a horrible fire, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. May 19th, mm. Nick. May 19th. It's a dark day in the Kane family household. But yes, we are here, Nick, to talk about happier things. We're here to talk about the wrestling, the graps. We're here to yes. talk about Monday Night Raw, which was actually a pretty entertaining three hours this week. I got to say, they're, they're making me watch for three hours. All right. Like, we got to talk about that. There's some news to get to, Nick. But let's do some housekeeping before we can get into the show. Yes, absolutely, guys. Come over and join us in Facebook. Uh, search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page and send us a join request to get right in. Find our links to our Discord in the description down below here on YouTube or pinned across our social media profiles. That is the place to be. It's where the community huddles around all of the shows and has live chats all throughout the week. So make sure you get into the Discord. It is the place to be. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and jingle the little notification bell so you get notified anytime we put up new content or go live right here on our channel we've got some new stuff coming soon those of you in the facebook group saw a little little tease a little carrot dangled in front of your faces last mm. night if you happen to be in the group uh last but certainly not least a big thank you to all of our patrons our phenomenal ones thank you guys for all of your support every single month month after month and if you guys would like to get in on some of those exclusive rewards head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers to get access to show notes bonus episodes skype calls producer segments all kinds of good stuff at patreon.com Slash BWO. Ian, I think you said it right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to get into, and I want to save mm. all of my opinions and commentary <laughs> for Monday Night Raw. Let's start off with the relatively simple stuff because they did a good job of weaving some storylines in this week where it kept you engaged mm -hmm. through multiple different segments. Uh, but we also had the fairly straightforward main event. Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre, or at least it would seem that it was straightforward on the surface. Baron Corbin showing up and 
wreaking havoc and and being a diva and asking for his own dressing room and asking why he had to walk so far for catering and when when where and Corbin when and Fantastic. saying that Drew McIntyre learned everything from him and doing everything that a top heel should do and Drew McIntyre and in, in reverse rolling his eyes and being like oh my god I'm gonna kick his damn head off and then we get to the actual match and it's actually Nick before we get to the the other stuff that was going on with this. I, I got to throw this out here right now. That match over delivered as hell. Yes. That, that's one of Baron Corbin's best matches. And to go it back was, to what you were saying before, if there's anything better than a dick heel in a suit, it's a dick heel in a crown and cape. <laughs> Corbin, this might be Pete Corbin. We might be witnessing, so far, so far we might be witnessing Pete Corbin. I'm real, like, we, you and I both unilaterally loved Constable Corbin. I, yes, I, I'm well, liking this new, really dick heel Corbin in a crown even better than Constable I, Corbin. I think I might have laterally loved him. I appreciated him, but I, I didn't think he was always utilized to his oh. best. And the same thing with with King Corbin. Sometimes he's used really well. Sometimes he's obnoxious and dull. And I think a lot of people have the impression that Corbin himself is obnoxious and dull. He's actually a very, very clean, very crisp worker. He's if you if you watch his matches, they're not always exciting because he's almost too clean. He does go to the well a lot on on certain moves and on on certain sequences. But if you look at a match like this, he did everything that was required of him. Yep. And and you can tell that he and Drew had great chemistry, and Drew got a great match out of him and vice versa. And there were some exciting moments. There were some surprising spots. Drew did the countdown for the Claymore, and Corbin countered it into a deep six. I didn't see that coming. I thought it was nope. over. There was a couple of great spots in this match, and I got to say, Corbin held up his own. So anyone out there who's a Corbin detractor, go and watch this match because this is why the guy gets the opportunities that he does, why he was the first superstar to be picked to go across brand and do a match like this. That being said, do you think that this match had any deeper meaning beyond just establishing Drew as being a top babyface, having him go against one of their tried and true top heels, and just and and getting over him pretty clean, kicking out at one on some massive moves like a like a top rope superplex. Um, do you think this was just a way to make Drew look like a better guy? No. Or what? Wh then why do you think they did this? I think this might be set up to send Baron back to be the foil that we never expected or saw coming for Braun Strowman on SmackDown. Huh. I think, I, I, I think I can, we, we've been speculating about whether it was going to be uh, who was going to be next. Is it going to be Gender? Is it going to be Lashley? Who's going to be next for for Braun Strowman? Uh, or is it going to be the Fiend again? Are they just going to restrap the Fiend all over again? And we don't know. And what I'm tinfoil hat again, guys. Nick booking tinfoil hat. What I'm oh God. what I'm reading into this is that Corbin needed some shine that Elias couldn't give him. So let's send him up to Raw and get a four-plus star match out of him and, and Drew McIntyre, and then we'll ship him back with all that shine to go challenge Braun Strowman for the Blue Universal Championship. I, I have a, Well, you had a hot take with your Corbin and, and Braun having a feud, which gives me the willies and shrinks my plums, but I'm going to oh, get mine back and say that Corbin is actually a much more dynamic, exciting worker than Elias is. And I think that that's actually... And I like Elias. I like... Some, I like when he's a heel, and I think his gimmick can be really fun, but I don't think he's going to go to the ring and give you an all-time classic. Um, no. Not saying that Corbin necessarily is, it's just more likely. So Corbin and Elias in the same feud was just death to me. 
Yep. Whereas I think Corbin can go and have good feuds with people. I don't know if Braun Strowman is that guy, but not out of the realm of possibility. I just don't know if you want to have someone who's got the reputation of Corbin amongst the fans of like, oh God, roll eyes with Braun right now. I, I, I think you should have someone a little bit more dynamic with Braun. Someone who's got a little bit, little bit more pep. But obviously Vince sees a lot in Corbin. He really relies on him a lot. So yeah, that, that could very well may happen. But let's talk about the secondary story going on with this main event. And that was that also on this Monday Night Raw, Bobby Lashley had another match with R-Truth and beat him up fairly cleanly again. Uh, but MVP, before and after the match, started talking to Bobby Lashley and saying, you know, man, why are you fighting dudes like R-Truth? You should be challenging for the championship. And remember last week, Nick, we speculated Bobby Lashley would be a great guy to go after Drew. They had a great feud in TNA. They, they, they looked apart. The like They looked like they would be great opponents. This seems to make sense. Well, it came true this week. After that match, MVP had another talk with Lashley. And by the end of the show, MVP and Lashley came out together at the top of the ramp before Drew and Corbin's match. Talked some smack, and Lashley said, Hey, Drew, just so you know, after you're getting beat up tonight, I'm going to scout you while you're getting beat up. And then I'm going to come for that title and kick your ass. And it's now official, by the way, Nick, after it's now, now that we've had a day removed from Raw, it's official. We are having a Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley match at Backlash. What do you think about how they built that Drew McIntyre and Lashley match? Kind of quickly, but they were setting it up with Lashley for a while. Yeah, and, and I'm not so sh- I think he should have had, like, he's been killing little guys for a few weeks now. And I don't know if I would have sent him right after the WWE Championship because I'm not ready to take it off of Drew yet without some immaculate story. We spent four-plus months, five months, I think it all started in December when Drew came out talking shit to Randy Orton, which was essentially his face turn. And we spent five to six months leading up to WrestleMania to get him strapped in the first place. And you're telling me now within two months, you're potentially going to take it right back off of him to push somebody who had a failed marriage angle, uh, betrayal angle kind of thing. And the first part of the, like, no, that's, no. I, I just, that's not realistic. That, well, I, I don't think they're realistic. They're not going to take it off of drew. I don't think it's realistic to do, but you got to give him an opponent who looks like a, a real deal, who looks like an actual challenge. But I feel like and Lashley's right- the final boss. I don't feel like he should be the first one to go. Like we had Seth, Seth gave him a kind of a chicken shit heel thing, trying to get around him. Fine, we got one of those. Gender is in Seth, the wings, like no, something Seth else. Seth gave him a straight up match. Seth didn't even bring in the chair in his match. I think Seth gave him a straight up match, and he beat Seth straight up, and that messed up Seth last week. We'll get to Seth in a second because that's that's a whole that's a yeah. whole that's, that's a whole, whole show thing. on itself. That's a whole show. <laughs> um, but here's I, the I don't thing. know if Lashley's going to be the next one. He he literally is Nick. He's well, I'm that's match, yes, match. but I mean, I, there's no way he's taking it off of Drew. No, and I don't think he. I don't think that's their intention. I don't think that he should. I think that right now, Drew uh, is kind of the. He's the new top, top, top guy. Yeah. You know, Brock is gone. We don't know where we're going to see Brock again, and I don't think that you always should have a Brock. But Drew's Drew is now being portrayed in the mold of the guy's past, unbeatable John Cena, unbeatable Hulk Hogan. You know, that's that's kind of where Drew's at. Right now, he's kicking out on one of major moves. He's being friendly to interviewers in the back and charming, and he's doing everything but suffering succotash that Roman couldn't pull off. He's doing a lot (laughs) of stuff right now that Roman couldn't pull off. 
that Vince wants in his top guys, that kind of easy breezy shoot the shit kind of verbiage backstage. Yeah. So they're they're positioning him as being that guy. And if they he if his first big major feud post Seth, which was a very small one, is Lashley, where they haven't really built Lashley up to be a world ender right now. They've built him up to be very strong. But he, the dude's beaten our truth. Like Lashley could go into this feud and come out okay because he wasn't a hundred percent again, right? Like Lana's gonna cost him this. Sure. So they could actually have this run for a while where Lashley keeps getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, in Dragon Ball terms, his power level keeps going up because he keeps, you know, f- rising to new levels, uh, goes away and trains and, and drops some dead baggage like Lana and then comes back even stronger like Vegeta. You know, they could absolutely do that with Lashley with this feud. And that would be really interesting that he keeps coming back and getting stronger and stronger. And Drew's like, oh, damn, I actually back in my heels in this match. That sort of thing. But Drew's not dropping the championship to him. No. No. The the no. thing that I want to complain about was that I feel... The, yes, we have been building Lashley up. We've felt this progression. By the way, $10 super chat from Chris in the, in the chat. If Drew Thank loses, you. we riot. I agree. Thank you, Chris. 100%. Not wrong. Um, and for some reason, the alerts appear to be not working on the stream. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, Lashley says... Um, or, or sorry, we've been building Lashley up for the last few weeks, crushing jobbers, beating up our truth, all that stuff. And I, I guess the thing that I wanted to say was I don't want Lashley to go after Drew yet because there's no way he's going to win. I want Lashley to be built up to be an unstoppable monster where down the road he can just show up, walk in, and it'd be believable that he could it, on any given Sunday take that title off of Drew. Right now, I don't believe that. Well, and one of the things and I don't want to TNA, do that to Lashley to completely eliminate all of the work they've done to try and rehab him over the last few weeks yeah. after the terrible Lana Rusev shit. Well, in TNA, one of the things that they did was point out Lashley's MMA background, and and he was you know being built up as being a guy who knew more MMA than Drew Galloway at the time, and that's something they haven't even touched on yet. It's just yeah. he's big and Jack and angry, and he can he can make you tap out in a in a full Nelson like he did with our truth. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious how they're gonna they're gonna build this forward. MVP as his as his advocate, as his new Leo Rush, as his mouthpiece is, I think, inspired. It, MVP agreed. is doing some great work, and I think that the storytelling that MVP is is doing here with his speeches and with his with his talking to Lashley is superlative. It's fantastic. It's, it's awesome. just what it's just what this needed. Um, I was a little bit weirded about by, by Lana just kind of screaming. At the end of it, like when MVP comes out with Lashley and he's kind of like, you know, they're like buddy, buddy, and she's just in the back throwing stuff and going, rah, 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 rah. exactly. Like, like, I don't an, know like Animal from the Muppets playing drums. Right. I don't know if they're, if they're trying to sabotage her career right now. Because remember when she was the most desirable woman in WWE, when she was the Ravishing Russian, she would come out and do the little like slow spin and speak in a Russian accent and basically be like, just you know, crushed, like, uh, just hold, pulled her hand up and just squeeze, and yeah. Rusev would go just break someone's leg. What a far cry we are from there. And I don't know, I don't know if there's a way back from this for her. If there is, it's a long rehab. No, I a thought the ravishing, ra- ravishing Russian Lana was the best thing we'd seen since uh, Keebler messing with McMahon. You know, it was, it was on that level. Right, and and the fact that they've completely just undone that, because Lana for some reason wants to have a wrestling career, 
you know, I think that was the reason that they got rid of it originally. They talked about it on a Total Divas episode years ago. Yeah, she wanted to be, she wanted to get in the ring, right? And I, like, you threw that away. You had she gold. was she was better than Eva Marie. Can we give her that? Yes, she was better than Eva Marie. Yes. Okay. She took Natty to the limit. <laughs> So, moving on. We'll talk about Natty later. Moving on, we've got the major thrust of this show, that there was a, a huge ongoing plot line that went through multiple segments. And it actually was it's one of the things that kept the show together was that there was a lot of ongoing plot lines. You had Drew and Lashley and Corbin. And then you had a whole bunch of guys in, in the other one. You've got, we've got, let's see, in this we've got Seth Rollins and Murphy We've got Kevin Owens returning. We have Apollo Crews. We have Zelina Vega and her Los Ingobernables de WWE, which is Angel Garza, Andrade, and Austin Theory. And and then, of course, you have Aleister Black also involved in this. All of these guys involved in about five different segments on this show, weaving through the show, changing alliances, returns, matches, setups for title shots. Fantastic. This is writing a wrestling show right here for all the times that we're down on when they don't write a wrestling show to keep you engaged this is how they keep you engaged things are always happening there's yeah. new twists there's payoffs to things that happen earlier uh, you're mentioning things that are happening later on the show for example we start off with seth rollins looking a little bit better than he did last week looking not quite so perturbed as he did Right, a uh, little put me put together his hairs back nicely in the man bun as it should be. Beard is quaffed again. He's got his nice uh, his nice Reservoir Dogs suit on, and uh, he tells Murphy in the back, Murphy, I've had a revelation. And they go out to the ring, and Seth gives a sermon, a nice sermon to us, Nick, where he says that he's realized that after last week, where he tried to poke out Rey Mysterio's eye with a ring step, that you know what. Without darkness, there can be no light. Yes. And that Rey Mysterio was really, that was a cathartic sacrifice. It was good for Rey. It was good for Seth. And Seth has figured out what went wrong with the Drew match. It's okay. You can have a bad day, essentially, as long as you come back and hurt somebody else to make yourself feel better. Essentially, is what he's saying. Yeah. So he said, Rey, wherever you are rehabbing, you're welcome. And that's how it started. Well, of course, that pissed off Humberto Carrillo, who I forgot to mention was also part of this whole thing. Humberto Carrillo comes out, gets in his face. Seth says, I'm sorry. I'm dressed like a reservoir dog. I'm, I'm Mr. Pink. I can't fight you. you got to fight my boy Murphy here, who's wearing his nice you know, stained glass outfit that he's got for me now. So Murphy and Carrillo have a match. Murphy beats Carrillo completely clean after a nice little match. Interesting. They make mention of the fact that Murphy's already got a match with Alistair late in the night, later in the night. But he still goes to bat for his boy Seth and picks up this win over Carrillo, which is which he needed. Nick, he needed a win. Yeah, Murphy needed a win. No, I, I uh, this this is just the beginning of what we're about to this roadmap of of stuff that uh, that happened all throughout Raw, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. But I, I liked the dynamic of I'm in my suit, but he does have a match later. Yeah, but he's good enough, and I trust him enough that. He can go ahead and whip your ass before he ever gets to Alistair Black which is, later. Which is, so it's, go it's get him, backfired Murphy. On. It's yeah. backfired on him before. But luckily here, I think I think it's set up some nice stuff. Murphy's capable. Uh, at least now we're showing that Murphy is capable. 
But that's that is setting stuff up. But but to set that up, we have to go to the other side of this, which was Kevin Owens is back, and Kevin Owens has a nice you know he starts to do his Kevin Owens show segment, which got disrupted. We'll talk about Natalia later. But it starts off with essentially an empty ring with the carpet. Zelina and her boys out there in the ring, all three of them, Austin Theory, Angel Garza, Andrade, all of them in the ring together. Cutting a promo on Kevin Owens saying, you know, you're lame for being gone for so long. Why are you so lame? And Kevin Owens saying, you know, I'm, I'm just hanging out outside the ring because there's someone else I'm interviewing as well. And that's Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews comes right down the ring, blindsides Andrade, kicks the crap out of him, just mounts him and starts beating the piss out of him. <laughs> so we get an impromptu tag team match. Angel Garza and Austin Theory versus Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews. Yep. Very quick match. And with the, because Austin Theory screws up the distraction, Apollo Crews gets a nice big pin on Angel Garza. After the match, there's a big rumble, and they kick Austin Theory out of the group. They beat him down, beat him up, throw him in some chairs by the side of the ring, and leave him. Zelina even saying, I don't know why I ever had faith in you. They've given up on Austin Theory, which comes around in the next match because the next match is Murphy versus Alistair. And this, I love the fact that they establish these guys have history. They hate each other. Like they're they're ready to kill each other before the match even starts. Mwah! They don't do that enough in WWE's establishing long-term hatred feuds like this. So they're beating the crap out of each other. Alistair starts looking too good. And what does Seth do? He's on the side of the ring and he reaches out that black, that black gloved hand of his to Austin Theory, who's just waking up, and he pulls Austin Theory up. And they have a little moment where they kind of look at each other and they have they have a realization, a rec- a recognition, if you will. And then Seth points to the ring, and Austin Theories goes, and he beats up Alistair Black, causes the DQ, but they all beat down Alistair. And then in the ring, Seth embraces Austin Theory, looks over at Murphy, who's looking pensive, but embraces Austin Theory. And Austin Theory is the newest member of Seth's acolytes. So there's a lot there. That's, that's like an hour, hour and 15 worth of this show summarized. That's a lot. That's return. And oh, it's not even everything because Apollo Crews, in the meantime, challenges Andrade for the U.S. title. Well, hang on. While uh, Seth Rollins embraces Austin Theory, they keep cutting the camera back to Murphy, who at and- first looks like he's like, "Yeah, it's a good idea." And by the end, he's kind of biting his lip and going, "Uh, yes, like, I don't I trust caught- this guy." I caught that too. And online, Nick, he's already actually tweeted out, I'm always going to be number one. Oh, number two, okay. you know what I mean? So, so we're, we're I, I, what I'm scared of is that they're going to turn this into a bullshit jealousy angle when it really should be about Murphy protecting Seth. Seth is going to overstep him, put yep. trust theory in something, and then LIW betrays them. And it, <laughs> it was me all along, right? Or, Oh, we planted theory another, in your group. And, and right. like a recent, a recent one. I don't right. want this to be another Luke Harper, Randy Orton, and Bray Wyatt. No, no, please. You know what I mean? I do. But, but let's talk. Let's take a step back though, and say, okay, this was their idea: pull Austin out of Zelina Vega's group, who we now no longer can call LIWWE. It's just Zelina Vega's guys. Uh, Austin now with Seth. That's a that on paper. That's a brilliant idea. Seth needed more dudes. Yep. And if, I mean, it's pretty clear that Austin's a made man. Like he's a, he's just, he's a prototype. And I don't mean that because he looks a little bit like, like a young John Cena. Uh, if, if he and Finn Balor had like a weird love baby with Randy Orton, (laughs) I don't get the Randy Orton. 
Okay. I don't. I don't. Uh, eh, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, if you want to put that guy to the top, you put him next to Seth Rollins. Like We, we said that it was a great position for Murphy to be in. He's going to be out on TV every week. He's going to be doing a lot of matches. Same goes for Theory. Same. This is going to be a better place for him to shine than over there with the with the Zelina's guys, who are kind of doing their own thing, and he kind of stuck out there a little bit. You know, it worked. This works better. But does Zelina now need another guy in her group, or is it okay for her to go back to just two guys managing two guys? Uh, I'm wondering if Umberto is going to flip. Um, I, I think it was smart to, um, if you're going to make it a Latino organization, it was smart to find a way to. To remove the gringo, you know what I mean. I, I felt like that's was that was part of this play, uh, even whether it was to set up him going into Seth's religion, whatever we want to call it, his his his, uh, his cult. denomination, his cult. Thank you. Uh, so, so at the same time, I'm not mad at all this, but I don't. I think it would be fine with just Garza and Andrade. I, I think it would. Yeah. I, I wonder because so Apollo and Andrade, they've already announced that their US title match and, and Apollo had a great he had a great promo backstage where he promoted at Zelina who came in to talk smack and he said, you know, I'm fired up. I'm gonna I, I yes, I have a bum leg, but I'm gonna take this off of him. But their title match, Nick, is next raw. It's a week before their pay per view. They're having the title match not on the pay per view. <sighs> What is your theory behind that? Pardon the pun. I don't have one. I you, you saying it right now is the first I'm aware of it. But I that's thought why, we. That's why I'm here. I, I know. I thought we did that. We didn't. We have these matches before Money in the Bank, and it kind of took away from the matches. Two of them. Yeah. The women's and the men's tags, the four way tags. So I was just, I was disappointed that they had those matches on the go home shows. Instead of on the pay-per-view, and I feel like I'm going to feel the exact same way uh, about this one. Yeah, unless there's some sort of outcome they're going for where it's a DQ, and then he gets a rematch on the pay-per-view. Like, otherwise, I'm I'm curious why they're doing that. Do you think Andrade should drop that title to Apollo, either on Raw or on the pay-per-view? Yes. I'm with you on that. because I feel I like think he's had that, it long enough, and it's mostly yeah. irrelevant right now. Yes, I agree, and I think that Apollo getting it would be a huge step up for a guy who deserves it. Andrade will be fine. They need to give him something to do, and I feel like he's not having enough to do with that title on him besides having title versus title matches that he loses against Drew McIntyre. Right. So it might give him an opportunity to do something else. So, yeah, I, I do think that, that – I, I think this is a good feud. It's a good idea. Um, this is what a mid-card title should be is to elevate mid-card guys who need elevating like Apollo – so that all that all sounds good to me. Yeah, I want to catch um, up on one thing real quick. Uh, sorry, yeah. guys, the alerts were a little broken on the stream, but I think I got them fixed now. Uh, line drive. Kyle had a super chat earlier where he said, Lana, the yes. result of when a committed actress is giving no direction and crap to work with. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can argue with that. I, that, I can't. That's pretty good, that's, man. That's a pretty... That's, that's a good, simple breakdown. <laughs> Well said. Yeah. Well said. Thank you for the five bucks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, so just a couple of things I just wanted to, to, to chew on before we got out of this whole huge segment. A couple of things. One, Nick, you and I were both loving Seth going crazy 
and possibly coming back a darker character. Do you feel that that paid off, or was it just a road bump instead of an actual epiphany? Uh, I don't know if by the end of the show I would agree with that, but for the first 30 minutes of the show, he comes out and he starts saying, yeah, he's he was descending into that thing. And I'm like, fuck, he, they listen. You know, he's he's been listening to the Busted yeah, Wide Open. But, but by the time we got to the end of it, I'm like, this is the same old, like, we're back Monday Night where Messiah. We were. we're back where we were two weeks ago before Money in the Bank. Yeah, so leading out of that, one of the things that worried me, Kevin Owens is back with no perceptible feud and kind of a lackluster return, I felt. Uh, and doesn't really have a feud. He didn't and even get a show things, set because Natty tore shit up. Yeah, and <laughs> and on the other side, which we'll talk about in a second, we'll talk about Natty and her and her tantrum. But on the other side of things, the other guy who was kind of the odd wheel out in this, Alistair Black, who was left laying after getting beaten up at, at the end of this all of these segments. Now, he tweeted out uh, a couple of images. He tweeted out one that said it comes in threes, and the other one was Backlash. So if Seth now has two acolytes and Kevin Owens isn't doing anything and Alistair hates one of those guys, you seeing where I'm going with this? Does that feel like a step backwards is one more time Kevin Owens and Seth's dudes? Or is there someone, I guess, Alistair going solo against these guys? Or is there someone else going to come? Is Ray going to come back? Or is one on three for Alistair? What What do you feel like he's hinting at here or what? What's the outcome, do you feel, with this? You you said Apollo Crews a little bit ago for the U.S. title, but my original yeah. thought was Aleister Black for the U.S. title to go take it off of Andrade. And right. I feel like they could do that. I feel like he needs to step through the hoops, so to speak. He doesn't need to go back into tag team stuff. We had that. We've had a taste of that with him and Ricochet already. It was fine. It was what it was. It was mostly forgettable. Um, but the I think getting him straight to some other big championship would be a mistake instead of uh, either the Intercontinental or the um, the U.S. Championship. And I think he would be a perfect foil to go up against Andrade to get that. So that's where my head's at with Alistair. I don't know if he's going to go well, they did team have up with Kevin Owens or and go after a tag thing. And yeah, I just I don't. There's eh. a lot of moving parts. There's They're a out. lot of places they could go. Yeah. Um, Kyle had an interesting one in the chat where he said um, Kevin Owens should win the title from Andrade after Cruz fails and Cruz should turn heel. I don't know about Cruz heel. I think he's a good like right now like he's an angry baby face. He does that pretty well. Yeah. And it's working for him. So I think they probably should stick with the edgy face, which they're doing right now. But he's a, he's a Gargano figure where he's good fighting up. You know, I, I don't I don't really want he's chasing. Let let Apollo chase. I don't know that you just he, said you wanted him as champ. Well. No, I said I wanted Alistair, but I wouldn't be mad at him taking it off of Andrade, but I feel like he's the one, he's the classic Ledger Joker. I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do when I actually, if I actually ever caught one. But the problem is with Apollo is that he needs to legitimize himself, and that title reign would legitimize him somewhat after a long time of just kind of bouncing around, not really settling on anything or doing anything. He's sure. got to catch a car, and then we can watch him chase other cars because we know he can catch a car. Yeah. All right. to, to stick with your metaphor. I, I wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be a game changer for him, like you are alluding to. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for. Skeptically (laughs) optimistic. Skeptically (laughs) skeptically optimistic. Well, speaking of chasing chasing cars and catching them, someone caught the biggest car of all, and that's Asuka, who got the, the, uh, the Raw Women's Championship from Becky Lynch last week, given to her because Becky had, of course, to step away from maternity leave. And this week we had a celebration for Asuka, Kyrie Sane, very nicely introducing Asuka, who came out 
uh, full regalia with the championship. And Kyrie gave her some flowers and then pointed out, Asuka, you've been NXT champ, SmackDown champ, women's tag champ, and Raw champ. You are now a Grand Slam champion. And then they started dancing around and, and being happy, and Kyrie started playing the recorder in kind of the same way we all played the recorder when we were in third grade, where it just right. sounds like absolute crap. Three blind shit, shit. mice. Three <laughs> blind mice. Yep. Uh, except hers was like cool co- color of blue. But then who should come out to interrupt this lovely moment, Nick? But your girl, your girl, the love of your life, Nick, Nia Jax comes out Dude, to Tony, get Tony in everybody's listening. face. Don't say stuff like that, okay? Uh, if Tony Sorry, is Tony. Your, he didn't mean it. it. She, if Tony doesn't know Nick, then it wasn't meant to be between you two. Listen, if she doesn't we, understand, we've been by down now. that road already. We've okay. Never mind. Let's not get sidetracked. If me. she don't know you by now, oh God, yeah, she will never, ever, ever know you. Come on, Nick, give her some credit. Give Tony some credit. Ooh. But Nia Jax, on the other hand, you, yeah. <laughs> if not, Nia Jax, on the other hand, the true love of your life. Challenges Oz, gets in the ring and says, Oscar, you don't deserve that. You were given it, whereas I deserve it because look at me and look at you. At which point, Oscar just snaps and beats the absolute crap out of Naya, sending her flying out of the ring onto the sideline, which makes sense. Oscar would not like her because Naya almost killed Kyrie Sane. And they've made that part of kayfabe now, which is, you know, think whatever you will. But Naya gets beaten out of the ring. Walking backwards up the ramp. Later on, she blindsides Kyrie backstage while Kyrie's trying to practice her recorder, beats her up, and Asuka is not happy about that either. Okay, so Nia Jax, first opponent for Asuka. Um, I will preface this, Nick, before I ask you how you feel about this. I will preface this by saying that Nia was supposed to be the opponent for Becky at Money in the Bank. Do you feel like this is okay because they're essentially like she, Becky was supposed to beat her? Do you feel this is okay because they're just basically plugging Asuka into the Becky spot here? Yes. Okay. So you're okay with Nia being Asuka's first major challenger? Because she's not going to beat her. You hope. I'm just saying. Asuka was whooping that big girl's ass. I don't know Which what, is the what thing. show y'all were watching. Yeah. Which is the thing. <laughs> and the more someone stands tall, the more I worry about them at the pay-per-view. Asuka's not dropping that thing two weeks after getting... In, in a monumental decision to put the Raw Women's Best Championship in the Money in the Bank briefcase, you're telling me that all of a sudden, two weeks later, they're going to flip it and put it on Nia Jax, who's been mostly irrelevant for m- more than a year. Nah, nah, no, 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 I just, well, she's been out with injury. She's back now and, and, and pretty relevant. So, oh, well, that makes all I, the difference in the world. I'm then. just saying, I, I'm with you, though. I'm with you. Uh, I think Nia should lose this, but, but look like a legitimate threat to Asuka. Uh, it feels like Asuka has gone face. I oh, think yeah. she, oh, went, yeah. she went, she went face at the exact moment that she went, mother to yeah. Becky. Nani? <laughs> well, she went where, where Becky went. I'm gonna go be a mother, and Oscar's went mother, and like, <gasps> yeah. and they've been replaying that in the Becky clips where like, Oscar's just so obviously happy for her. Yeah. And then with this too, like Nia was very much the heel, and Oscar was very much the babyface. Awesome, cool, great. The question I have though, Nick, is what role does Kyrie Sane play 
is she just going to be the victim that Nia beats up to piss off Asuka? Or yes. is there a heel turn coming? Mm, no. No? Wait, I mean, they're... I don't know where Asuka and Kyrie are in the whole heel face dynamic right now. I think Asuka is very much in that sort of tweener. She's transcended it at this point. You, I think if she's not going to mist anymore, she needs to stop doing the green face paint. No, the green face paint is cool as hell. I mean, it just it's kind of part of the... She didn't start doing that until she turned and started misting. You can, you can mist as a face. Uh, fine. I'm just. Uh, I want to call out Line Drive with a ten dollars super chat. Thank you very much oh. again, sir. He says the Kabuki you, Warriors are a treasure. They are. If we are ever doing a turn, it needs to be a festival festival of friendship. Also, like Nia as Oscar's first challenger, especially if they play off their NXT history. That's that's which not they, a bad point. They won't. They almost never bring up NXT history, which is tragic unless it's like Oscar's streak. But they didn't bring up Oscar and Nikki Cross's history, which was a great. Great history. Um, I would love it if they did. They just never do. So that is tragic. But I agree. If they break up Kabuki Wars, it's going to, I mean, they've got to really like squeeze it out. I I will. I will have some serious man tears, like the single like straight face tear. If they festival of friendship, Asuka and Kyrie. Oh, speaking of like, that's going to be. Listen, WWE, I'm going to need you to cool it because I don't tune into Monday Night Raw to sob. So cool it with the Becky Lynch video packages, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, it's really well done. It's like too well done. Like we're and he, we're and he, five minutes in. <laughs> they never get, I didn't know if they'd give a chance to a little Irish lass with an attitude and loves puns. But they but did. You, did. You, <laughs> you put me on your shoulders. You carried me all the way there. <laughs> 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 Like, as you know, it's funny because a lot of people are starting to cool on Becky, yourself included, yeah. Nick. But now, like, with the feelings we have with her going away, there's when she comes back, like, all, all she's going to be the t- hottest thing there is. Oh, God. It's a place going to erupt. She, it, it's going to be Edge coming back in Toronto, and that, the roof's going to come off the place. Anyone, and I, I definitely, you know, had my pragmatic look at it as being like, is this the best time to go have a kid? Like, just. From a business standpoint, like, you know, anyone who's questioning her on that, on the counterpoint to that, she's stepping away at the top. You leave at the top, you stay at the top in people's memories. Yup. This is, this is, you know, this is not the equivalent of, but it's not dissimilar to dying at 27 as a rock star. You are forever young. You are forever at the top in people's minds. She leaves to go be a mom for three years. When she comes back, she's still going to be like the, the biggest damn thing. The man. Yeah. And you know she'll be back before that. She'll do like appearances and crap yeah. because they no, can't. That's, that's what I meant. It's, it's Edge coming back in Toronto. It's surprising when, that, when the place blew up. And the first time you hear that guitar riff, yeah. that place is going to explode. It will, it will. I don't think it'll be as many years, but it, yeah. Right. I, it'll be like Triple H coming back at Madison Square Garden. Exactly. You know? Yes. Um, speaking of Edge... Speaking of Edge, Edge was back on the show. In fact, he opened the show with Randy Orton. Uh, we had basically the way that last Raw ended was the way this Raw started, which I don't entirely agree with, but at the same time, I couldn't think where else in the show to put this. No. But Randy Orton doubled down on his challenge to Edge from last week, saying, all right, you were the better man in a match with tables and chairs and all kinds of equipment and last man standing, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You're not a better wrestler than me. So well, let's have a, a straight-up wrestling match. And Edge comes out 
to say, au contraire, Randy, uh, he basically said, you know, you might be the best wrestler in the world, but here's the problem. You don't give a crap because everything for you that, that wrestling is, is, is a fallback option. You didn't really give a crap about this like I did. You didn't wake up, you didn't dream uh, and wake up in the middle of the night dreaming of being a WWE superstar. You didn't save up money for months to be able to go to a WWE show when you were a kid. You didn't, you didn't have to go away and see your dream ripped from you for nine years and then have to scratch and claw to get back to that dream. You've had everything handed to you on a silver plate. So you think that I don't have grit and you think you can beat me in a wrestling match. And Randy just goes, dude, would you shut up and just tell me if you want to have this match or not? And Edge goes, yes, I want to have the match. <laughs> God, Randy, I, I, you're so infuriating. Before we go any further in this, I need to address something. We didn't open the show with Randy and Edge. We opened with Charlie Caruso (laughs) standing in the middle of the ring, deadpan into the hard cam, once again saying that this could be (laughs) the best wrestling match of all time. The greatest wrestling match. And by the way, it's how they're promoting it online. They're promoting it as the greatest wrestling match ever. (laughs) Guys, let's be clear here. Edge and Randy Orton are two of the most talented professional wrestlers in the world. They are two incredibly talented guys. The match they have will no doubt be probably a very good match. Yes. Will it be the greatest wrestling match ever? No. I've got 100% certainty that it will not be the greatest wrestling match ever. And to put that hyperbole on it is actually hurting the match. Yes. It's hurting the perception. It's hurting how people are looking at it. It's, it's the kind of thing that just cuts your boys off at the legs to do that to them. And thank God, at least this week, Charlie said it will, it could be considered as opposed to like, this is going to be the greatest wrestling. Oh my God. Brian Duncan in the chat just said, unless they're, unless they're wrestling in space, I don't know how they're (laughs) pulling this off. (laughs) That's, that's got me tickled. That's good. Right. Or uh, in space or like at the bottom of the Mariana trench. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Or if there's a bear involved somehow. Like, yeah. I don't, there's no way. There's, it's, it's not, like, it will, at, at best, it will be an excellent wrestling match. You could even have match of the year. And it still wouldn't be the greatest wrestling match ever. By a long, long shot. Yeah. And this was particularly bizarre, Nick, because for years, WWE has pushed back on this whole wrestling thing and wanted to call it sports entertainment. And I, I consider both of these guys way better sports entertainers than actual technical wrestlers. Agreed. They're, they're both extremely, exquisitely good technical wrestlers, but they're where they are because they're sports entertainers. So, th- yeah, this is... Mm. It, it's that Jonah Hill meme where you're just going, no, this, no, 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 dude, cut no, it out. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Chris don't, with the super chat says, uh, "Did they forget about Dragon Savage or Taker Sean exactly, uh, or just to start?" I mean, uh, I mean those are Okado, two of the o- ten or twenty Okado that you can Omega. put in front of whatever the hell Randy Orton and Edge are going to give us in 2020. This is not going to be better than the top ten matches of the last three years, right? Like you take the <laughs> the top thirty matches from the like total from the last like ten matches a year from the last three years. This isn't going to be better than those thirty matches, right? I know. Because I've watched them all. Yes. There's no way this is beating 
Walter versus Tyler Bate. This is not going to be Osprey versus Takagi. It's not. No. It's just not possible. Under WWE standards, with the kind of matches that they have and with the talent these two guys have, it's not going to happen. And it's a disservice to the match that these guys are going to have, which is going to be a very good match. It's a disservice to put that in people's minds yeah. that it could be. And, and again... Wrestling, 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 wrestling. What are these guys going to go out there and put on a Matt Classic in a company where you have Matt Riddle, Kyle O'Reilly, Walter? Like, are, are you kidding me? It, you just fired Drew Gulak, and these guys are going to go out there and have a better wrestling match than him versus Daniel Bryan last week? No. Come on. No. It's, it's, my, my face is so far in my palms. I'm tasting sweat. Ah. It's. Oh my goodness! So, and this is this isn't even my favorite angle on Raw right now. I this is Randy Orton and Edge. I should this should be I should be as hot for this as I was before WrestleMania. That was I was loving the angle then. That was hot as fire. Now, yeah, it's a step backwards from that. So you're going to have the greatest wrestling match ever in a feud that's not even as hot as it was a month ago. Get out of here! Yeah. Get out of here! What are you doing? No. What actually are you doing? I don't know. I didn't mean to go down that whole diatribe. I just wanted to poke fun at Charlie for having to say that. Hi, Charlie. Oh, that poor thing. Poor yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm so sorry. To I'm so open sorry. the show! Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... God. Wait! To they close out the show last week and to open it this right. week. It's just right. like they was connected <laughs> together. Like they had one Doubling big down. show. Yep, exactly. Yeah, oh, poor Charlie. Down. I'm sorry, Charlie. You had two dice and you rolled two snake eyes. It was just... Oh my soul! And it was—I I definitely was like raw started. I kind of went, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, they—they—they <laughs> they, they picked it up. Raw was actually really good overall this week. But man, yeah, that was a moment where I just kind of went, oh, "Oh God, guys, no, 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 Way no!" Way to no. set the I tone want, for I the show. It, <laughs> I want it to be so good. That is the wrong yeah. way to promote it. Hard stop. Yeah. Uh, we uh, one of the other I think stumbles that Raw had was. The women's tag match, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics again. But this time, trying to save Billy Kay from getting pinned, Peyton Royce comes in and throws Alexa into the turnbuckle one too many times, and the ref stops the match and DQs her. And this wasn't my problem with this, Nick, because on paper, fine, that builds up heat between the two teams. You don't have a definitive win for Bliss Cross. But Peyton acted as though she was stunned. And then later, like, Billy slapped her backstage, like, what were you doing? And then they're both crying about it and so upset. It, that undercut them as a team. It didn't make them look vicious. It didn't make it look like it was premeditated. It made them look like they didn't know the rules. They didn't listen to the ref and that they're dumb. Do you feel that was the right way to set up the finish for this match? No. No, because the the ref stoppage in the last 12 months has become the new surprise roll up. Uh and and I'm it's it's being overused. And it's being used at at the, at the whims of the 74-year-old man, I think he's 74 now, uh sitting at the controls in in the referee's ear. And, well, and it could I'm, be Paul I just you don't know who did, who did it now. We don't know who did it now. We don't know who's overusing it. I, I agree with you that it's getting a bit overused, but my problem isn't that it's getting overused. It's that you're doing it without purpose. No, it takes away the, the value of that, of having that in your back pocket to pull out when you really need it. 
Like, I don't have, I actually liked this match. And I liked the idea of Peyton Royce losing her shit because she couldn't get past some little five foot Alexa Bliss and, right. and Nikki Cross and got to the point where she just got frustrated and came in and just started throwing Alexa Bliss into the, I, I like dickish Healy heels. I, I want that. The, the backstage stuff is a different conversation, and God, I hope they don't break up the Iconics because I might flip this desk over. But yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the ref stoppage. I have a problem with the overuse of it, and we've seen it way too much. Going all the way back to Hell in a Cell in October, seven, eight months ago, right? I, I can count at least four or five times off the top of my head that we've had a ref stoppage in, since then. And I'm just going, that's like At a least. once or twice we a year. We had one last week. That's like a once or twice a year thing that you pull out to make a big deal out of something. Shane had just, two in a row. Right. So I, that's where, that's my, otherwise, I like this. But, I'll def- like but here's it. the thing. So I just said that, but I'll defend those. Shane's ref stoppages were because she actually injured the other person too much for them to continue. Great. That's a good story to tell. Sure. Seth Rollins last week because he interfered and stabbed Ray's eye into the stairs. He snapped. That's a good story to tell for Seth. This is not a good story to tell for the Iconics. That they're dumb and don't pay attention in the ring? That's not a good reason to do this. It's the same thing, like you said, with small packages. Small packages, when used well, show that an underdog any given Sunday can sneak out a win whether it's distraction or whatever, when it's just done in a match for no reason, you just kind of go, well, that was kind of a flat finish. Yeah. So this was a flat finish. And I'm not sure what story they're trying to tell with these two teams right now. When it's actually Dana Brooks' finishing move, it's used too much. The roll-up. Oh. <laughs> it's well, it's she, literally Dana Brooks finishing. Them. She's she's an underdog who's and they're trying to protect the people she's facing. I guess I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just, I just saying I don't really have a good explanation for it either. I'm I just, I like, I, li- I wanted to like this. I like the finish on paper. I don't like the overuse of the ref stoppage. That's where yeah. that's where my complaint ends. Well, we mentioned Shayna Baszler a second ago. We mentioned Natalia earlier. Well, they had a match again, looks like last week. This time, though, Shayna actually did a beautiful reversal on uh, Natty trying to submit her with, a, with, I think it was a leg bar, but she reversed it beautifully into a Kirafuda clutch, tapped Natty out after capturing her arm. Um, much better match for Shayna, I thought, than last week. This made Shayna look like she was going toe-to-toe with Natty. Natty was stepping to her, but Shayna is just fundamentally better and also very aggressive. It looked good. But at the end, Natty was just distraught that she had been out-wrestled by Shayna and as they were setting up the Kevin Owens show, she started trashing the set, threw his chairs out of the ring, threw the easels out of the ring. Not sure why the crew didn't set it back up. They're not getting paid enough. They're getting paid enough to show up during a pandemic, but not getting paid enough to set back up Kevin Owens' set? Yeah. Just saying. Come on. Give them a little bit more now. Give them a dollar more an hour of WWE. This is unprofessional. Right. Unprofessional. But also unprofessional. Natty's response. What do you think? What are, uh, what are we doing here? Why are we having Natty throwing temper tantrums? This didn't feel like it was planned. I'm wondering if, oh, come if, on. if Natalia took a shoot here. You're such a... Oh, come on, man. Don't you dare. No, I don't know. This is totally... This, this was a shoot. Natty shooted on this, man. Shooted? Shooted. She shooted on this. Yeah, I'm imitating you. All right. She done, she done shooted. It felt... Much like Natalia's, it felt overdone. 
<laughs> and okay. I, I wasn't sure whether or not, because Kevin Owens came out and even commented on it. He goes, wow, okay, I, I came out to do my show, but and that felt like it was somewhat improv Coming it might from, be Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens does improv KO. a lot. Yeah, he does, and, and he's brilliant not. at it. Okay, but I. So you actually think that Natty legit had a temper tantrum on Raw? Of course not. Okay, don't do that to me, then. Because she's, she's as loyal as they get. She's absolutely as a, as much of a company woman as it's ever going to be. She had a farting gimmick. Of course she is. She's going to yes. do whatever they tell her to do. Yes. So. They're worried about this tarnishing her legacy. She had a farting gimmick. I'm just going to leave it at that. She sure kicked the hell out of that bottom rope, though. That's for sure. <laughs> Kyle with the I $5 just... in the super chat. Oh, he said, <laughs> Natty sure showed that bottom rope and office equipment. Couldn't help but laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody got a good chuckle That's out of it. True. Oh, my God. Yeah, but not in a good way, unfortunately. Oh, gee golly, Willikers. I'll kick that bottom rope. Oh, shucks. How dare you? <laughs> That's Shana. Yeah, he'll get you next time, Shana. Next time, you. Know. I yeah, I'm not sure what the angle is here. If we're gonna have a pouty natty, or if she's gonna suddenly like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the hell this is. Yeah, I don't either. I, I uh, fingers I'm crossed. Not sure Wait, I see. <laughs> I, I care enough because if you're putting this on my TV. Give me something to care about. And I'm I know intrigued that, enough. This is the most character work we've gotten out of Natalia in years. Exactly. So let's see where this Natalia, goes. Let's ride this one out. <laughs> what are you doing? As long as right. it's not a marriage angle, then we're fine. Sure. Uh, Charlotte, also on Raw, which is actually her home brand. You don't know these days because she's in all three brands, which she was happy to point out. Hardest working woman in wrestling right now. Good for her. her. Had a match with Ruby Riot after a nice Healy speech. You know, I've heard this pointed out, and I wanted to bring it up on our show. Charlotte Flair. She's a heel, right? Uh, right? I think so. Ruby Riot's a heel. Yep. And she treated Ruby like Charlotte. Charlotte treated her like Charlotte was a heel. She was pulling her hair and doing all kinds of dirty tricks. Yep. Over on SmackDown, she's kind of a face. She's facing Bailey, and Bailey is a heel. But Charlotte's kind of acting kind of facey over there. I didn't so, feel like she was facey over there. Yeah, Bailey's a heel. That doesn't automatically make her a face. She was just coming out and challenging who what Charlotte was saying. I, I didn't think that made Charlotte a face. She's being presented more face-ish over there. And it may be like what you were saying earlier with Asuka, where she's just above that. She's Charlotte, and she is what she is. No matter what, you can cheer her or boo her. She is what she is. Yeah. She's really a heel in NXT, though. Yeah, I mean, she's she was doing she's heat dickish heel things, things where she was pointing at Sasha and making fun of her and and calling her out for riding Bailey's coattails. And you know, I, I feel like there was still some dickish things coming out on SmackDown Friday. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Is 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 this too much Charlotte right now? Three shows, too much Charlotte. You I, think I, she's? I stopped caring a long time ago. Charlotte's going to Charlotte. You have to care. No, you I'm talking about care, where where she's going to. She By the time we're done, guys, 10 years from now, Charlotte's going to have all the records. She's going to have all the titles, all the records, all the accolades, everything. She's going to be more than 16-time champion. It's, it's going to be no contest. She is, she is going to go down in the record books as the winningest champion ever. 
in WWE. Yeah. Agreed. So uh, I've accepted that. I'm not going to lose sleep over at night over it anymore. So if they it's, put her on all three shows, you're like, fine. Yeah, it is what she's. Listen, she's one of the best performers uh, with a microphone and in the ring. Frankly, I don't care what brand she's on. You're not wrong, but as it seems a little weird that she's coming over on Raw and treating Ruby like enhancement talent. I agree with that. That's that was a little disappointing. She just had like two fantastic matches with Liv Morgan, and you're going to come over and job her out to Charlotte. No, that's not okay. And it, well, and on top of that, like that's now Charlotte's role is just she's going to come in, beat up somebody, talk smack, and leave until she has a title match with like Rhea or Bailey. Um, I don't. That's like that. That it's not good for people like Ruby. Now again, we're both big fans of Ruby, and there's got to be someone who picks up the losses. But it is also a waste of talent when it comes to Ruby. Um, I don't know who else you have Charlotte go against at this point, though. You know who else is free? At least Ruby got on TV. I don't know. I'm I'm arguing it to myself right now, Nick. <laughs> going back and forth on it. I, I'm 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 of two minds, obviously. But yes, we're yeah. uh, more Charlotte, and we'll have more of her on SmackDown. We'll have to get back to this: is she heel? Is she a face? Is she just Charlotte debate? She's just Charlotte on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned Liv Morgan. She had a little promo where she said that her mom was her inspiration, Aww. and because. Because her mom was all about perseverance, even though she didn't really have a pay, much of a paycheck, and but she still raised Liv and had all that perseverance that Liv's going to persevere post-Charlotte. Um, let me get your opinion on this promo first, Nick, because I don't want to come out the gate acting like an asshole. <laughs> what did you think of Liv's promo here? It was a lot better than coming out saying she was Lana's lesbian lover. Well, yes. Yes, Nick. She, it, it, it's, it's like me saying I'm taller than Danny DeVito. Uh, I, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was somewhere in the middle. It's got baby face fire on it. I like that. Uh, I like the no quit kind of attitude stuff. Uh, I like that. Uh, and she looks great. She looks a lot better than some Harley Quinn knockoff that you find in a Halloween store. I, I like, I, I, I like, I want to like it. I, I want to like it, Nick. I want to be where you are. Can you I, get me to where you are? I'm please? 98% there. Oh my God! Yeah, your wife. I'm like thirty. You know what did it for me though was that she got a chance to show with Ruby Riot her abilities in the ring. Finally, she didn't yes. just get jobbed out to somebody. She had two phenomenal matches with Ruby Riot. She had a match back. with Charlotte and Oscar in which she looked good against them both times. Bingo! They obviously see potential for her. She's in this mode right now where they're trying to build her as someone you can like a babyface you can get behind. I'm wondering if they're trying to do a Becky thing with her or just if, like a Liv Morgan twist on a Becky Lynch thing. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but my problem is, is that she's still, and it's, it's what gets you about Naya is the, the vocal delivery. She still has this thing. My mom worked so hard to raise me. And I was like, and she's saying stuff that like, she's, I, I, I can feel the emotion she's trying to put behind it. The script is is there, even though it's very kind of on the nose. It's just the way that it's 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 the it's the head placement, it's the vocal placement, it's the delivery. Yeah, and you can give someone Shakespeare, but if they say it in like a valley accent, it's just gonna it's just gonna fall flat. So it's her delivery as much as anything. So hey hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to some of the superstars right now. For about oh, 15, because no. we, we know they listen, right? So, I mean, 
for about fifteen hundred bucks, you can go get executive coaching speech uh, power speaking. Some of them, and some of them have right. Some of them do. Cost, I believe actually about uh, fifteen hundred bucks is about a three day course. Go go get who some. did it? They eliminated Rick Flair did it when he yeah. came back in in the two thousand early two thousands. Rick Flair went and did this. They anim- they eliminate the seven deadly words from you as a presenter. They teach you how to be animated. They teach you how to intonate. They teach you how right. to inflect. Right. Uh, they teach you how to emote all of those things with yeah. eyebrow raises and things like that. Right. But they they teach you how to do all that. You don't say so um and uh you're right so yeah all of that. They'll for fifteen hundred bucks in three days it'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the the deadly sins of wrestling promos. The fact of the matter is, you see, Mean Gene. Yeah. So that's that's the thing that I'm seeing here with Liv is that there's so many pieces that are just right there. And I want her to be successful because I do think that she could be really, really good. She's got a lot of potential in the ring. Great look, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just that damn delivery. Yep. It's not connecting. And it and and they can give her all the babyface promos in the world. But if she doesn't like put the right inflection behind it it's just it's not gonna connect sorry that's yeah. I, I don't want to be harsh again I, I i want her to succeed and it's, a, it's it seems like a small hurdle that takes some practice but yeah anyway it'll be the best 1500 bucks you ever spend live <laughs> right I promise. Uh, I'm so, I'm shocked they don't do more of that in promo class. Like the, the promo classes that they that they do, it's strictly just for wrestling promos. But there would be so much more to gain by just like learning how to deliver monologues, or as you said, public speaking, taking some of those cues and and putting them in there. But anyway, neither here nor that's a whole different discussion because we got to talk about the tag team division on Raw, quote unquote. I, let me throw some air quotes up there. The tag team. Division on Raw. No, we didn't see Cedric or Ricochet. No, we didn't see Vink or Thorne. We saw Viking Raiders and the Street Profits engaging in another competition. Because anything you can do, I can do better. This time, however, we're at a Viking encampment. Throwing the air quotes up again. And I thought what we talked about last week, we were going to go to the Highland Games and start getting... We got axe throwing. But you we got the axe We were going to get caber toss and all of the bagpipes, all of this stuff. Yeah, you know, the you, giant they, meats and all that stuff. You you got the next best thing. You got the dime store version of that. You got the 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 uh, no social distancing version of that out in a field uh, with all these Vikings packed together. I guarantee one. I, I'm sure one of them had to have been uh, Sarah Logan, right? Like on the horse. Had to have been, right. What the speculation uh, is the one on the horse was Sarah Logan. Didn't look like her at all, though. Oh, okay. Anyway, neither here nor there. A- axe tossing. So, of sure. course, Viking Raiders really good at it. They keep hitting the bullseye. Street Profits, Montez throws one so far, it hits a car. <laughs> a uh, cop car. Uh, well, we find out later it was a cop car. Yes, thank you for spoiling that, Nick. Uh, That's what I'm here for. Dawkins throws it throws it behind him, completely miss. Hey, it hits, a, hits a, a barrel and all the mead starts coming out and everyone gets mad. So it comes down to the competition. Of course, same. it's the same exact thing as last week with the basketball game, just with axe tossing. The Vikings dominate, and at the very end, Montez gets one to stick in the in the bullseye. Yay, he got one. Everybody's happy. There's some camaraderie. It's actually, I'm not gonna lie, Nick. As much as this was a little bit kind of a little bit eye rolling and didn't quite hit the mark for me, this was actually like the camaraderie and the genuine fun it seemed like everyone was having. It it was it did seem very positive. It was it it, it did kind of warm my heart a little bit. Yeah. They were obviously having fun with it. And then of course, as you said, Nick, 
the cop car pulls up with a with an axe stuck into the the front windshield, and two cops get out get out and say, "Who did this?" And I immediately feared for Street Profits' life, just because it's America in 2020. Yeah, but luckily the cop just wanted to know who did that, so they told him, "All right, whoever can hit that bullseye must be it." And all of a sudden. I don't know why, because logically it doesn't make sense that they would incriminate themselves. But Montez Ford suddenly shows that he has mad axe-throwing skills, and so does Dawkins. Dawkins throws an axe behind him and hits himself and hits it in the bullseye. Same idea as last week. We were fooling you the whole time. We knew how to axe-throw the entire time. da 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 And we're done. That was the end of the segment. Yay. Um, is this already overstaying its welcome, or are you looking forward to part three? This because was better the, than the basketball game. No, you think? Yeah. It, I'm, that's not to imply that it was what I want to see these two teams doing. But it was better than the basketball game, and that's like saying one fart smells less bad than the other. We both admitted last week that by the end of the basketball thing, we were on some level entertained. Yeah. I, again, same thing here. Some level entertained, some but that's not what they should it. be doing. Yeah. Uh, I also, because the alerts are broken, I missed another one from Kyle. $5 in the Super Chat. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, at this rate, I'm surprised there isn't a Valley Girl faction. It's coming. Just wait. They got they got lost on the way to the arena because, you know, just, I don't know. I was in my pink Can Camaro. Can I take the 101 or the 405? I'm just not sure. You take the, the 405 to the 101 to the 323, you take- and then you... <laughs> You get off on get off on Doheny and take two lefts and a right and then get back onto the 101 and go north and then hit the no, uh, right team. No, you take Ventura to Coldwater down to Beverly Hills. Oh my God, this is so confusing. <laughs> Gotta get the vocal fry in there if you're gonna do Valley Girl. Oh yeah. Oh oh Billy. <laughs> What's Moving on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I don't know, uh, no, I I want. I want to see these guys competing. I don't want Ascension and Fashion Police 2.0. This is effing War Machine and Street Profits. One of the this is high so flyers. Far from that. I, all right. It's this not even so, as funny. You know what it is. Yeah, I know. It's not, nowhere near. It's nowhere near as, 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 as funny and well thought out and as many like little in-jokes. This is cutesy at best. It's cutesy and fine. You got me on one. The second one, all right. This I'm starting like, all right, all right. I get it. I get it. I get it. We're done now. There does yeah. not need to be a part three. The part three should be a match. We're done. Okay, get in the cool. Ring and fight. Ha ha ha. We all get the joke. We get it now. Cool. Everyone and all these guys are charismatic. It's great. You got some more character on War Machine. Excuse me, Viking Raiders. I just can't help myself. You got some, what? They, I didn't they hear look you say more anything wrong. a boy. Uh. Let's move on. Let's get on to a match. Yeah. Let's get on to a goddamn match. And you know we'll have part three next Raw, and then they'll challenge each other to a match, and it'll be a backlash. We'll have to get another one of these. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, that was that, and that was Raw, Nick. That was a show. Overall, pretty good show. We did things a show. little bit out of order. We sort of reprioritized we things. Had, it was, we but had in to. the grand timeline, putting Charlie aside at the very beginning, in the grand timeline of things, thing. the way that this was delivered with the storyline all throughout, we've praised SmackDown and NXT where they've just had a through central timeline of one continuous and interweaving story. And they really had that this week. From Seth and Murphy through Aleister Black and LIWWE to Theory to McIntyre and Lashley 
with our truth thrown in there. I mean, it was, MVP's a part of it. So all of this, all is kind of interweaving, and I absolutely love that. Can we keep mm-hmm. that up for more than two weeks? Can, can we do some long-term storytelling here, maybe all the way to SummerSlam? That's the homework assignment and the challenge that I would give to Vince and, and Heyman and WWE. How do you how do you do something that where each one doesn't feel like it has to start and finish every single episode of Raw and SmackDown? Can we have some continuation for more than two weeks? Oh no, next week we got to build a backlash because it's time for another one already. Like I just I want some storytelling here, like some big time <laughs> long term storytelling, and I feel like Seth is going to deliver that. It's already he already kind of has. I mean, I, if you I look know. at. But I mean, we're, we're still developing months. it. But yeah. above and beyond that, it's just okay. No, well, next week Drew's going to fight Lashley, and then we're going to move on to the next thing. And I don't know. I f- I feel like we're getting a little bit more build from week to week. Like there's there's more setups and payoffs. You know, maybe not over a six month period or a three month period, but like over over a month or two, we're getting some pretty good setups and payoffs. I'm actually overall, I'm pretty up on WWE's writing right now. Same. Overall, there's still it's still WWE, but like relative. To itself, WWE's writing right now is is quite good. A lot of people laughed at it uh, when I did it in the Nick Booking stuff, uh, but I feel like there's too much brands, too many titles. Uh, I feel like that there is an impending consolidation coming in the near no. future. Shh, no, don't put that out there. Don't yeah. put that evil out there, Nick. <laughs> Keep it like it is. Nicky Bobby? N- Nicky Bobby. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't oh, you put that evil Jesus. on me, Nikki Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me, Nikki Bobby. That's going to be a thing. Yeah. That's a thing. That's a thing now. Great. Great. Well, there you go, guys. There was Monday Night Raw. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I certainly did. Ian, it sounds like you did as well. I'm ex- I'm excited for what the current buildup for the card might lo- end up looking like at Backlash. Um, so that's that's one thing to be positive about. But speaking about things to be positive about, we've got to go over now and do our moment of positivity. That's right. The moment of positivity, the mop, brought to you by Sean Clark. We are here today to talk about the thing in the last few days of wrestling that made us happy, that made us feel positive, things that we want to look at things and take them in a positive light because Lord knows there's just too much negativity out there. So what was the thing that made you feel positive or that you can, you can think about positively over the last few days, Mr. Nick? There's not a lot. Oh, come on. There's so, there's you, so many. You go first, I'm want. thinking. I'm, I'm looking about? down the list of what happened on Raw, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, that was cool, yeah, all right. We um, just listed off a bunch of things to be positive about. The fact that you've got this, this great angle going on with Seth and his disciples, the fact that they did such a good job of interweaving a bunch of different storylines to make that happen. Uh, I loved the fact that they actually had through lines to the show, and there was long-term builds that they did. It was showing the dissension between Los and Gobernadores did WWE, ending in this week having... Uh, that build up through several segments and matches to Austin getting kicked out and then being accepted by Seth into the group. The way that Seth handled all that as well, physically, his physicality through all that, the way that Austin Theory and Buddy Murphy acted, like the silence of not having an audience really enhanced that. It was a very tense, interesting moment, and all the guys were very present. You could see in their eyes they were very present in that moment 
where Austin joined the group. It was a really intense, very cool moment, and I could actually take that and take it out of context of wrestling and be like, look at this cool moment where this guy gets indoctrinated into this cult. And any and someone who watches like a regular drama would be like, ooh, that's pretty good. So I'll take that as my moment of positivity. All right. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take how well done that was, what an intense moment that was. That's my moment. And, and the fact that it was built over the whole show. It was good stuff. There I, you go. I think mine's going to be Austin Theory always felt like the odd man out around Andrade, Zelina, and Garza. And I'm happy to see him be somewhat, you know, summarily ejected from LIW, if we're still going to call him that. Um, and then to form up with Seth, who I agree did need another disciple. Originally, we had AOP and Murphy. And I was like, oh, main eventer, mid-carder, mid-card title, and tag team titles? Like, this could be a legit faction. And I still hope it will be when AOP heals up and gets back. But the idea that Seth is now going to have Murphy and Theory as disciples behind him. Yeah. Theory joining I'm, Seth is probably mine for this week. I'm sorry. I thought it was Nia Jax getting beat up. I'm surprised that that wasn't your, your mom. No. No. Hmm. Huh. No. Hmm. How about Ky that? Kyrie playing the recorder was a close second. <laughs> it's hard not to pick It's hard not to pick uh, Oscar or Kyrie every week. They yeah. are they're some of the best stuff going on yeah. in WWE right now. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So there we go, guys. There's our moments of positivity. And thank you, guys. Oh, no, we're not done just yet. Oh, God. We've got just enough time for our other news and lightning round. Beep, 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 Oh, man, I've got to go from the moment of positivity to something very, very, very sad. Uh, so I've got to report, if you guys don't already know, Shad Gaspard, one half of Crime Time back in the day, uh, unfortunately has gone missing and is presumed lost at sea after uh, going swimming with his son and a few other people over at Marina Del Rey Beach. When I say it's right down the street for me, I literally mean I can nearly throw a rock and hit a big street that goes straight to that beach from my window. Like it's, it's I could walk to that beach. It'd be a bit of a hike, but I could conceivably do it. It's right down the street for me. I know the beach well. I know right where he was. Um, apparently it was a group of swimmers and uh, he and his son were out there and a riptide hit him, and the lifeguards went out to get them, and they got everybody but Shad, who the last time he was seen, he was pointing out where his son was to the rescuers. They got his son, and they saw a wave crash on him, and then they never saw him again. The Coast Guard was called out. They were out for a, a, a while, almost two days, looking for him. They, gave, they have actually said that they have given up their search for looking for him as of today. The LAPD is still looking for him, so the case is still open. But unfortunately, it looks like uh, he is gone, and a lot of people are. The sympathies are already pouring in from far and wide, and there is not a single person who doesn't have anything but the most glowing reports to say about what a great guy he was. So this is tragic for many, on many, many, many levels. Was that down at the Whaler at the Venice Pier at the end of Washington? Little south of there, that's Venice. Yeah, okay. um, so a little bit south of there, a little south of that pier before you get to the um, uh, the, the break, where the breakwater is for before to you get to the, the refinery. Of the yeah, yeah. Before you get to the refinery, so it's yeah, it's right down there. Um, beautiful beach, by the way. Absolutely it, it, gorgeous. It, it was beach. when I lived there. It was my Zen spot. One of the first places I ever went to in L.A. was Venice Pier, and I would sit out there for hours, just yeah. right there at the you, end of Washington with the whaler. If you took a left and went down about a mile, you'd be at the beach where he was. Okay. Um. So, yeah, and it's mm. it's the definition of like a gorgeous California beach. But yeah. the problem is, and this is 
this is the crazy thing. Like this, something, this, this is one thing that kind of it freaked me out about the whole thing. Is you know, I'm I'm a California boy, born and raised out here, up in the Bay Area, and this is riptides are such a thing out here that I learned about it from a very young age. You know, the, quite a few of us California, like we're taught when you when you like when that when that shore starts receding really quickly and you're not moving, you're in a riptide. Swim horizontal because it's just it's one thin band of water that's sucking, getting sucked out to sea. And you can be miles out at sea in a matter of minutes. And that's not a joke. Like, those things are deadly. And you, you're gone. Um, the other thing that made me think, like, that, that just gave me chills thinking about this, um, if, if I may make a bit of an aside here, is that, uh, that that's, that's a little terrifying. There, there was a show once upon a time called Dahani... Uh, Dahani travels or Dahani plays the world, something like that. I might be forgetting the name. Uh, but it was Dahani Jones from the Bengals. Um, and he basically went to different countries around the world and played their national sport. He'd learn about their national, national sport and then play it, actually have to compete in a professional game of the sport. Awesome series. Really awesome series. Um, and I recommend trying to find it if you can. It's unfortunate it's kind of gone missing. But there was an episode where he actually played saltwater uh, water polo in Italy. Uh, Sicily, maybe, I think. Maybe it was Greece. I don't know. In the Mediterranean. He's out in the Mediterranean. They've got an outdoor um, concrete encircled area where they play this saltwater water polo. And Dahani is a football player, big, muscly guy. And all these little, you know, polo players are long, lanky, almost no muscle, no body fat. And one of the things he points out in this episode is that he was getting winded. He was having such a hard time keeping up because. And they had, they had him sitting in the water next to one of these guys, and they were sitting about three or four inches higher in the water than he was because muscle does not float as well. It's not as buoyant in salt water. Well, unfortunately, Shad Gaspar, very muscly guy. And the first thing I thought was when he's you know, swimming for his life out in the sea was that's the worst situation this dude could be in Yeah, because he's going to have to swim that much harder because he's so muscled. So it's just it's horrific all around. Obviously, we send our condolences to the to the family. Yeah. Uh, not no condolences. Hope, hope, and, hope, and, and fingers crossed that he's washed up, you know, down at at Palos Verdes and he's just he hasn't made his way back yet. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's some rough news. Esme with the right fifty dollars super chat. Oh, says fare, Esme. Farewell and safe travels, Shad. Thank you, Esme. Thank you, Esme. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. I, oh. Kind of think we should donate that fifty bucks to Shad now. <laughs> That's I don't know if we can take that, but yeah. thank you. Um, also, in in sad news, Larry Sonka, uh, reviewer and writer for Four One One Wrestling, has also passed away after a long illness. He actually even had to have a a leg amputated last year. The guy's been not well for a while, but he's also the most consistent reviewer and writer about wrestling in WWE. That I can possibly think of. The the guy had a review up at like every single damn time right after the show. If you wanted to get a review uh, or a recap of a show, he did it every time. He was a machine, an absolute machine. And it's actually crazy to not see his stuff popping up on my feed uh, now that he has passed away. So rest in peace, Larry Sanka. So um, I'm not I'm not done with the sad stuff yet. Drew Gulak got released by WWE the day. After SmackDown last week, he had an angle with Daniel Bryan, was still tweeting out stuff for that angle, and he was released the next day. Apparently, 
It was actually a contract negotiation. He was holding out for more money. He wanted to raise. They said no, and they could not come to an agreement. And so Drew Gulak has parted ways with WWE for now. Uh, and before you say Drew Gulak to AEW, Cody has gone on record many times that he cannot stand Drew Gulak. So yep. very curious where the goo, the goo man ends up next. Um, speaking of AEW, the revolt is already in some trouble. They have a cease and desist letter get sent out already for FTR and for the revolt. So they are already having to fight legal battles thanks to WWE. I don't think it'll be an uphill battle. I think it'll be an uphill battle for them, uh, given everything that went down at the end of their run there. Speaking of, uh, of people in WWE who are no longer there, who are having a tough time of it, uh, Mark Henry and Leo Rush are in a bit of a spat online. I don't know if you, have you seen any of this, Nick? No. This goes back a ways. Apparently, at one point when Leo was having backstage problems, Mark Henry approached him and said, hey, man, if you have any problems, I can give you, a, you know, I can talk to you and maybe help you with things. And Leo said, no, nah, man, I'm fine. And then everything came out a month later, and Mark Henry went on air to say, like, dude, I, he lied to my face. I tried to help the kid, and he didn't want any. This has continued. Um, gone back and forth. They're both kind of sniping at each other. Uh, Mark Henry shooting on Leo again, saying you know, he had a bad attitude. Leo saying back to him, quote, this is why African-American talent on the biggest platform will continue to not have equal opportunity because people like you constantly tear down your own people. A damn shame, honestly. And uh, Mark Henry on that other podcast named suspiciously close to ours uh, said, you can't question my blackness. Like, Nobody can question my blackness. Pull my black card. No, not allowed. Nobody. And he said his lawyers are not happy and would like him to sue Leo Rush. Uh, and Leo Rush said back, come on, man, you're going to go out sad. You deserve to be remembered for the greatest heel turn in history, not th threatening to sue a 25-year-old in the middle of a pandemic. So ugly wow. stuff back, back and forth between Leo and Mark Henry there. Um, the Canadian border, Nick, is still closed. They announced it's going to be closed for another month to non-essential people. So no Dark Order, no Bobby Roode, no anybody else who lives in Canada. It was a house in Canada and got trapped on that side of the border for this. So another month without all of that Canadian talent. So be prepared. And, and we gotta, we, maybe we should give them a little bit better space uh, as far as what they're doing with Dark Order. Yeah, with Brody Lee, yeah. You know, yeah. maybe we'll give them a little bit, little bit more love with that. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Starks, NWA News. Ricky Starks has followed Tasha Steele's example and is leaving. He's defecting from NWA. But where is he going, Nick? He says he's the hottest free agent out there right now. And AEW just announced that there's going to be a mystery competitor in their ladder match at Double or Nothing. Not to be announced until Double or Nothing. Coincidence? I think not. Ricky Starks to AEW. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Ricky Starks. He'll he, dude. He's gonna go, he's gonna do real well over there if he does go there. Yeah, he will. Man. D d yeah. <sighs> yeah. That, uh, that's a good pickup. Michael Mansuri, you may not know that name, but he was the guy that was thought to be Kevin Dunn's replacement over at WWE. He was the vice president of global television production. Uh, he has also left, and he's following uh, Kerwin Silfie's uh, run out the door. And uh, that means that uh, Dunn and Marty Miller are going to be handling, handling all the WWE broadcasts from now on, and they don't really have any heirs apparent. This guy has been here. He, he'd been there for a long time. It's 2009, I believe. Um, 
So yeah, WWE shorter, shorter handed in the production department. Hmm. Interesting. He gave his, this guy gave his, he, Michael gave his notice back in early part of this year, three months ago. So this has been coming for a while. Damn. Uh, and a bit of a nastier story. CZW is in a bit of hot water right now. Uh, they actually had a, they, they apparently are going to be putting out online some of their old pay-per-views to look at, uh, to watch. Really? Yes, but the problem is, and uh, you'll have to forgive me because my page that I was pulling this off of has just vanished. Uh, So give me a second. But they basically um, had a... uh, They're putting out programs, and the men's programs is called, like, the greatest hits, and the men's programs is called, like, the... um, you know, hard, hardest hardcore matches. The women's matches, unfortunately, are being called top heavy, top heavy, uh, the top heavy trouble, stuff like that. Basically, sexualizing the women's matches and the women's uh, stuff. I'm sorry. Let me let me just try and find this real quick here, because I'm always going to do a better job when I have my notes in front of me. Uh, but they're already being called out, as you can imagine. Here we go by several women online who used to work for them. Uh, CZW Girls Top Heavy and Tough. CZW Girls All Assets Revealed. Nothing sexual about the actual matches, just the names. CZW, uh, they released a press uh, release that said, two years ago, CZW entered into a licensing agreement with a national media distributory to license CZW and WSU footage. That company has the rights to utilize the footage without illimitation. They have repackaged and renamed shows as it is their right to do so. Our athletes, regardless of gender, are just that, athletes whom we are proud of and appreciate. We stand behind the ring action in all of our footage, essentially wiping their hands of it, washing their hands. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of time, Nick, but a ton of women have come out against this. Kimber Lee, Trisha Parker, a.k.a. Jordan Grace, uh... Tara Calloway, Mama Dino, Lou Fisto was, has been very outspoken. And they're not just coming out um, against this and, and Stonecutter Media, which is the, who distribu- the distributory that they sold that to. Uh, but they're actually starting to come out about sexual abuse and harassment that they actually had from CZW. They have not named DJ Hyde yet. But there's been a lot of talk in these tweets from these women about how uh, and even from some men who actually back up the stories, um, in case you can't take a woman's word for things, but uh, that he said some things along the line of, quote, pardon my language, I could fuck you, any of, any of y'all, anytime I want, uh, and that he would actually have limited hotel rooms so they'd have to sleep in the same bed and snuggle him. So some major accusations coming out against CCW oh. right now, all based on the fact that some of their pay-per-views have some rather unsavory names. So, uh, and also, I'm trying to find out, uh, Jordan Grace has actually said, there are many women already speaking to lawyers about this as releases were not signed to authorize licensing footage for profit and distribution. So, CZW, and a little bit of some hot water. I was really looking forward to seeing dudes be power bombed off riding rider trucks into a pile of light tubes again but thanks for being misogynistic douchebags yeah well and and more than that than not you know taking their wrestlers backs 
on if their distributing company is I mean, doing that, not actually having their backs and be like, we, we sold it. We don't know. We don't have nothing to do about it. But apparently it is it is a culture that is actually inside the promotion itself. We're, so. we're just cashing our checks. Yeah. Unfortunate, Whatever. unfortunate entirely. Uh, John Oliver mentioned WWE this week on uh, last week tonight. Remember how he did this, the special before about uh, workers' rights in WWE? Well, this time he's talking about the fact that WWE is still recording shows during this current and ongoing uh, problems, which we can't really talk about because we want to still have YouTube uh, play our stuff. Yeah. Um, he, didn't, he didn't hit WWE too hard. He hit UFC a lot harder. Um, he hit... He hit uh, anyone who wants to open sports to a crowd a lot harder. But he did mention that WWE had reopened and that some of their that they had that one letter that went to the, the city council saying that, hey, I don't feel like I can work safely here. Which, by the way, to counterpoint, they never proved that it was actually a WWE employee and there was nothing to say that I was a WWE employee at all. Right. So I thought it was interesting that even John's, John Oliver's people didn't source that. Yeah, unsighted sources like that. Completely unsighted source. Like if that was a WWE, that was never proven by any media source that that's what that was, that the person who wrote that letter. But WWE on last week tonight, at least for... AEW got to mention, too, funny enough. They did. They did mention AEW Don't forget as well. they're in Jacksonville. So They said AEW, quote-unquote, the competition for WWE. It's what they're being known by in yeah. mainstream media. Interesting. MLW just barely re-signed Richard Holiday, uh, one of the members of the dynasty. If you, uh, if you watch them at all, that was the, uh, the guys that um, uh, MJF used to be with. But now they're off on their own, including uh, Alex Hammerstone. But he's officially signed a multi-year deal with MLW. Apparently, other companies, quote-unquote, gave him some pretty big options, some pretty big deals, including some heavy signing bonuses. But he turned it down to stay with MLW. I wonder which company that could have been. Hmm. Buddies with MJF. Got some money to throw around. Who could that have been? I guess we'll never know, Nick. Yeah. Because he's staying with MLW. And finally... Jim Cornette, hard to keep his name off of our lips because the man always gets himself in some kind of hot water. Well, he did it again on his podcast. For some reason, he decided to lay into Dana Brooke, saying that it looked like her face had caught on fire and someone had put it out with an axe. Wow. Well, hmm. Nick, I'm we're sorry. I forget. Sometimes I forget here. that we're an audio podcast and you guys listening can't hear... <laughs> My reaction that I'm giving, my 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 dumbfounded face, that every oh. time, every time, so the last big time we tore into Jim Cornette was over uh, the Tra Trevor Murdoch with the Ethiopian strap a bucket of chicken, ride a scooter across Ethiopia. Since then, we've had his firing from NWA. And we've seen him show up on several specials like Dark Side of the Ring. and Boy, He's great. And The Last Ride and where or documentaries about Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And every now and then in my YouTube feed, I get a, a, a Jim Cornette thing where he's telling a history story, usually laced with F-bombs, uh, but it's about wrestling history. And I go through this phase with him where I'm like, oh, man, you know, I, I really <laughs> like the way he tells stories. Danny Burke looked like somebody... Here. Set her uh, on fire and put her face out with an axe. I'm like, God damn it, Jim. <laughs> no. Becky Lynch. Becky now, Lynch, stupid it. woman. Stupid woman. Why is she going having a baby right now? You can make a million dollars a year. What are you, dumb woman? Oh, yeah. Oh, I give up. I'm, I'm, I'm done with him. I give up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, so Dana, she tweeted, she tweeted back at him, how about you stop hiding behind a keyboard and come say it to my face because I doubt you would when you see me in person, Mark. How about stop spreading hate and spread positivity? Yeah, and, exactly. And honestly, Nick, like, we're not innocent. There was one Raw, I remember, or one, one show where Dana's, like, top lip looked like she got punched in her lip, and we were like, what the heck? Dana, are you okay? What's, like, please don't – I hope that's an injury and not something else. Um, but damn it, we, are, we support the hell out of that woman overall. Yes. And that, that, the way that Cornette put it is, is – It's hideous. <laughs> it's, flow, it's flowery, but very hideous. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad that Dana clapped back at him and, and curious to see if that, fl- if that feud goes anywhere. Lord knows he's not about, not about apologizing. But I've, I'm going to side with Dana on this one. Stop spreading hate and spread positivity. And that's where I want to leave this. That's why I put this last. Stop spreading hate. Spread positivity. Nick, that is the news. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous. And with apologies to Dana Brooke, thank you very much to all of the phenomenal ones and everyone else hanging out with us in chat. Thank you guys for making it a lively show, just like every other one you guys join us for live right here on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern at youtube.com slash open. Make sure you subscribe and uh, jingle that little notification bell so you get notified anytime we put up some new content. We got some new jams coming soon. If you saw the teaser in the group that I dangled in front of you, you might know what I'm referring to. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, uh, you can you can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Join us in Facebook with the rest of the phenomenal ones. Uh, over uh, just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook. Uh, make sure you put the wide in between there so you get in the right group. Uh, even though a lot of the other group tends to land in our group and they like our show better, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um, make sure you like our page and send us a join request to get you right in. Uh, be sure you join our dis- uh, Discord server for live chats all throughout the week. You can find links to that in the description below here on YouTube or pinned across our social media profiles. And you can find all of these links and everything else, uh, all of our episodes over at BWOPodcast.com, as well as your podcast app of choice. Last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons, our phenomenal ones. Thank you guys for all of your support. And if you guys would like to get in on some exclusive rewards like that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers, like the ability to get a copy of the show notes for every episode, ask questions for our patron mailbag every week, uh, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls with Nick and Siri and Dangerous, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.